All right, welcome to Luke Skywalker, hero, question mark, which I will erase and put yes, exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my name is Nancy Schwartz. I'm the co-founder of the Tashi Station Podcast Network. Uh, I'll be moderating this panel, and I'll go down and let the other panelists introduce themselves and also say when you sort of first encountered Luke Skywalker. Um, I've been a fan since I first saw the movie when I was 11. Uh, I fell in love with him, and I haven't stopped. Sorry, my husband. He was the first person I fell in love with. (laughs) I'll go down the line. Uh, My name is Brian Young. I do the Full of Sith podcast. I write about Star Wars for StarWars.com slash film and sci-fi and basically anywhere anyone will pay me to write about Star Wars. Um, My first encounter with Luke Skywalker, I was a kid uh, of three years old watching Return of the Jedi, and he had an indelible effect on me. And really, his journey in trying to forgive his horrible, evil father uh, was pretty much the only thing that got me through like an abusive childhood. So Luke Skywalker means a lot to me, and he always has. And uh, The Last Jedi just reinforced all that. Hi, my name is Michael Faulkner. I'm a writer and podcaster from right here in the Atlanta area. Uh, my podcasting is on the Chronic Rift Network. I have a show there called the Weekly Podioplex. It's a movie news podcast. Uh, my writing is on my, my site, creativecriticality.net, where I, uh, I write about Doctor Who for the last four years. I've been going through the entire series of that show from the very beginning in 1963, story by story. And I've just broken through the Eighth Doctor and going to the Ninth Doctor in October. Don't worry, there's also Star Wars content there, too. I, I have a <laughs> wide variety of things I'm interested in. Uh, my first experience with Luke Skywalker was when I first found the movies, the original trilogy, back in the mid-1980s. And, of course, we all know how that begins with, Luke, Luke. <laughs> That's actually like 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't begin that way. Where you, did you have well, a broken Luke, copy? Luke's journey begins. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's the deleted opening crawl. <laughs> the less impactful one right uh i'm thomas harper you guys may have seen me around this weekend i write and podcast on about star wars legal issues or legal issues in the star wars universe for the legal geeks if you guys saw the court martial of poe dameron that we did at san diego comic-con uh we do lots of fun stuff like that all around um i think my first experience with luke was not on screen it was my cousin had a big bin of his old star wars toys and uh, after I forgave him for not just giving them all to me, because I immediately was like, <laughs> well, like, I'm a kid. You should just give me all these toys. But he had, like, the little extendable lightsaber. And I was like, this guy is kind of cool. I'll, you know, it, I, I kind of took to him. And then I remember seeing the movie, you know, playing on TNT or, or TBS. I forget which uh, for the first time. And I just have this distinct memory that every time it cut to commercial, I wanted it. I was like, bring Luke back on TV right now. I don't need this toilet paper commercial. Um, And I spent the better part of my childhood out in the woods pretending to be him before I had an actual, you know, toy lightsaber. I was picking up sticks and and running around doing Luke things in the woods. I'm Bruce Gibson. I'm waking up right now. (laughs) I'm on the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm also on Trek FM doing podcasts. And uh, my first experience with Luke Skywalker was when my dad came home after seeing Star Wars, the original Star Wars in the movie theater, and said, there's a movie out that I think you'd like to see. It's about a gold robot man. (laughs) Where did he get that? I mean, obviously, he's talking about C-3PO, but... 
It was not about this robot True man. Star so yes, Star Wars. I saw it in 1977. So <laughs> when it came out. But I will say I was traumatized later about Luke Skywalker because we had the Kenner action figure of Luke Skywalker and my brother would run around the house with Luke stuffed up his nose. So I couldn't play with that figure for a while unless it was sanitized. That's the rare green-haired variant, Luke. (laughs) So in the original trilogy, Luke goes through a very typical version of the hero's journey. But Luke himself is not a typical action hero why do what do we think makes him stand out from everyone else and has stayed with people so long so that people are arguing for on the internet about what luke skywalker would be um we're gonna get into the last jedi later but what what makes him so different from other heroes i think one of the the key things about luke skywalker is that his finishing move is a rejection of violence and that makes him very different in in lots of heroes' journeys. The hero needs to slay the dragon within themselves, uh, when in, within themselves, in order to continue picking up a sword to slay other things. And this is what Yoda and Obi Wan keep telling Luke he needs to do, and he keeps saying like, "I don't think that's right." And so Luke was questioning his masters and himself to come to that place of nonviolence, which is. As, as for as typical as his hero's journey is, I think that's where it's atypical and more important. Yeah, and on top of that, Luke is very human. When you get a lot of our, our heroes in media, they, they ascend from, from being just like us or slightly better than us with, you know, with powers and stuff to then becoming this ultimate guardian of, of peace, justice, whatever else, right? And Luke, throughout the original trilogy, fails a lot, I mean, there, there are a lot of times where he stumbles and he, and he falls down. And, of course, his first his first impulse is to retreat back into himself every single time. And someone's always there to kind of nudge him and say, no, you need to go back over here. But he fails with respect to his his family. You know, he's, he's, he's dis- got some disappointment there. He fails with respect to his masters who expect him to follow the same path that he did. You know, he's, he's not not a perfect uh, hero at all. I, I think what... what- is really so impactful with Luke, especially at the, the beginning of his arc, is that his relatability is really unlike anything that we see elsewhere. I mean, this is not somebody that we meet and he's swinging a, la- a laser sword around. This is somebody who's just wants to go pick up some power converters, but he can't do that because his uncle and aunt uh, have other things for him to do. And he's he's struggling with these very relatable things and then quickly starts to slide down that path uh, that, that leads him to where we are today. And I, you guys make great points that he, it, it, the, the choice is not always one that's, that's easier that he makes necessarily without some amount of conflict or stumble along the way. I mean, you know, I, I just go back to when Obi-Wan asks him to, to go with him to help take the, uh, Death Star plans, and his first reaction is, you know, I can take you as far as Anchorhead. I, you know, he doesn't want in on this. And I, I just had a powerful connection to that as a kid who just wanted to also go buy some power converters. <laughs> <laughs> and who among us hasn't shown up at, at home and just to a barbecued family? He's very relatable. You know? Yeah, I've never had that experience. Um, <laughs> but my family does barbecue. Though, 
I agree with most of what I'm hearing here, and I have a feeling I'm going to agree with most of what the panel is going to say today. Uh, And yeah, Luke, in a lot of ways, is like us when he starts off, just like Clark Kent becomes Superman. The only difference in that context is that Clark had powers. He was born with powers. Luke necessarily wasn't born with powers. He's in touch with the Force, but he hasn't discovered that. So his journey is more of discovery. And that's the thing I think I relate to, and I think probably most of us relate to with this hero, is we're always trying to discover the powers within us. And so we have that that piece that we relate to. And because he has a special ability with the Force, he's a special hero. But then to challenge the panel real quick, based on what Brian was saying about Luke using nonviolence, my question would be then, why did he raise a lightsaber to Ben Solo? Can we table that discussion for later? I'll listen to the moderator. Because <laughs> I, I do have the, the best answer for that. Yes. Okay. So another thing I, w- I would add to that is that Luke um, depends on his friends. Um, he's not a solitary hero. Even at the end, when he goes off to face the Emperor and Vader by himself, he still has his he's thinking of his friends and that thinking of his sister and han is kind of what holds him back because even though vader's temptation of leia sets him off he's then thinking i don't want to end up like you because i have these things that you have rejected um and i think that's really important for him as well um so sticking to the original trilogy for a moment i want to ask what are some of your what is your favorite luke moment and I will challenge you to not say binary sunset or him throwing away the lightsaber. No, I, for me, it's it's hands down him taking off his father's mask. It's taking off Vader's mask and seeing the the. And what a great performance by Mark. Oh Hamill. yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, he sells every bit of that performance. But uh, again, you know, kind of referencing what I said earlier, like Luke was able to see the good inside someone who would so walked down the path of evil that he was able to bring him back and to be able to watch him take that mask off and try to see the inherent worth in him. This is a theme that's gone through all the Star Wars movies and is punctuated so poignantly there. And it is 100% predicated on um, not just Mark Hamill's performance of that moment, but the emotion invested in watching Anakin finally make the right choice after years and years and years of going like, man, you're a train wreck. Stop making bad decisions. And he finally makes the right decision, and it's only because of the love of his son that he's able to. And I think that that's my favorite moment. Like, I wouldn't even need to count out Binary Sunset or Luke throwing away the lightsaber. It's always been that moment. Well, since we got rid of Binary Sunset and throwing away the lightsaber, <laughs> um, I think on Dagobah, when, when he sees his X-Wing sink further into the swamp. He's, he's dejected. He's, he, he thinks he's not going to get away, you know, or to be able to leave. And Yoda says, go ahead and lift it out of the swamp. And he's like, I can't. It's too big. And then he watches Yoda do it. And he realizes at that moment of awakening right there, where he, he kind of he has his horizons expanded, he sees, he sees that there's more to what he's learning than what he's actually pulling in, what he's actually having soak in. And, and he, he realizes that, you know, despite it being a failure, 
it's a, it's a, it's a lesson failure from Yoda. Yoda still props him up at the end and says, you know, you, you can still do this. He has that moment of saying, there is something more to what, what's going on. For me, I'll never forget coming out of the toilet paper commercial and <laughs> Return of the Jedi and seeing the door to Jabba's palace lift up and you see his silhouette come in and, the last time we saw Luke before this moment, he's wearing white. He's, you know, got his uh, his hand chopped off in his new hand and he's just sitting there and it's it's all hopeful and, and bright and wonderful. And then you just see him just from that moment all the way through to the uh, the battle scene at the pit of Carcoon, just that completely different side of him, that sort of swagger that you see that uh is really hard to, to, to quite capture. And then I think most recently in, in The Last Jedi, the moment where he's sitting aboard the Falcon, just taking the weight of that emotion onto his shoulders at the Dejeric table, and he's talking to R2, and he's so sure in himself. He's like, nothing you can do, nothing you can say is going to make me change my mind. And then R2 plays Leia's message. And in the theater, my wife is like looking over and she's like, are you crying? Like, yes. No, my eyes are sweating. That was a cheap move. Nothing you can do can change my mind. Anyway, um, my guy, my guy. Okay. Um, so I, going along those lines, that's what I was thinking about. It was more though along at the start of when he goes out on the plank for the sail barge. And there's just that music that... Boom, boom, you know, and just like, what's going on? And Luke is saluting R2. At that moment, that's, that's probably my favorite moment of Luke in the original trilogy, just because it's like, we see the full Jedi come out. I love, like you're saying, he's coming into Jabba's palace, but that moment there when then he starts flipping, he takes the lightsaber out and he's saving his friends. I was like, yes, this is the Luke I've been waiting for. Yeah, I think for me it would be when he actually when he rejects Vader in Empire Strikes Back and chooses to die instead of join him. I think it's really powerful, and you know, we kind it kind of gets glossed over a lot because you know he ends up surviving, but he didn't know. Like he just he chose to die rather than join the bad side, and I think that is extremely powerful for the hero to do. Um, so let's move on to The Last Jedi. Uh, I wanted to start with Brian. Okay. You had a Twitter thread uh-huh. go very viral uh-huh. about Luke Skywalker yep. and why <laughs> his characterization in The Last Jedi is the logical conclusion of the original trilogy. Can you summarize that for us? Please? Yeah. Um, I think it's rooted in the fact that I think the biggest question lingering out of The Force Awakens doesn't have anything to do with Rey or Snoke or anything else like that. The original, the, the question leaving Force Awakens, if you've watched all the other Star Wars movies, should be, why didn't Luke save Han? Right? In The Empire Strikes Back, that's the entire point of the story. Luke senses Han in danger from the other side of the galaxy in the future. Like, Han hasn't even been hurt. Watch Empire again, and you notice that Han doesn't even get tortured till after Luke senses it. And you know that Luke could have been there on that, on that bridge facing Ben Solo, but he isn't. Why? And The Last Jedi takes 
that question and answers it in almost the only way it can based on his character and based on what we what we know. Luke Skywalker is tempted by the dark side. He jumps to it a lot. In Return of the Jedi, the only way he's able to defeat Vader in that in that moment is when Vader tempts him to say, I'll turn your sister. And Luke gives in wholly to the dark side and cuts off his father's hand. And it's only until he looks down at his own hand and realizes that this is what he is reflected. He's turning into his father. And this is something he can't do. And it's at that moment he realizes he has to reject this and he throws the lightsaber away. When you fast forward to The Last Jedi and the flashbacks we see of him doing the same thing with Ben Solo, right? He gets... He gets this vision. He knows that Ben's heart is turned. He knows that Ben is going to cause everything he's worked his entire life to prevent. And in that moment of instinct, he thinks, can I end this now? No, I can't. I can't do this. And he rejects that, which is a lot sooner. Like he's grown so much where in Return of the Jedi, he hits that moment and he just starts attacking. And he, I mean, remember that moment where he's savagely attacking Vader over and over and over again until he finally cuts off his hand. And the Luke we see in The Last Jedi is in so much more control. He ignites the saber and thinks about that because this could, this could save the galaxy. But he stops. But it doesn't matter because that's what Ben, Ben doesn't see it that way. Ben's heart is turned. And Luke has to deal with the consequences of him um, seeing that future and interpreting it in what could have been uh, the wrong way. So when you see Luke pulling himself out of the equation, you see that every bit of danger through the classic trilogy he's gone through is based on him reacting to things he could see in the future that he realizes he needs to not see things in the future anymore. He needs to not like completely cut himself off from that because that's only going to make things worse. And that's all that's ever done through the history of the galaxy. That's how his father turned. That's how he almost turned. That's how he almost turned a second time. So him taking himself out of the force is really the only way for him to break that cycle of violence. There can be no more Order 66s. There can be no mass murders of Jedi Padawan if there aren't any more. If there aren't people relying on that vision of the future to base their decisions on. And through The Last Jedi, you see every single person making decisions based on what they think their vision of the future is, but it's all wholly dependent on their own point of view, right? Ray and Kylo see the exact same vision and come to two completely different conclusions. Snoke and Ben see the exact same vision and come to two completely different conclusions. And Luke realizes that he cannot be objective. As much as he's a hero, he cannot be. And that's the test of the Jedi, That's why Obi-Wan was a better Jedi than Anakin, because he could be objective. He could stand back and say, that's really terrible, but I'm not getting involved. But Luke knew he needed to. Any other... Do we want to go into the thing about him igniting the lightsaber? Any other opposing uh, opinions? Yeah, like I said before, too, he he fails a lot, right? He fails a lot through the original trilogy, which which is where we know him best. Mm -hmm. And... 
every time he fails, he, he tends to retreat back into himself. You know, his, his family dies. He fails to lift the, the X-Wing. Uh, he fails at the tree. Uh, even even the, fail, the the potential failure on Dagobah as, as Yoda dies and Obi-Wan says, you have to go face Vader. And he says, I can't kill my father. Right, that is that is a potential failure. It's a potential disappointment that's, that's lined up for me. He says, "If I do this, it's going to be a disappointment. I will have failed," and he, pull, he starts to pull back. And every single time, there's someone there to prop him up. It's Obi Wan. It's Yoda. It's, it's whoever else. Right? They're there to, to push him forward. Well, when he fails, when he nearly falls at the temple, and 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 then Kylo brings the entire thing down around him and kills everyone there. There's no one left to prop Luke Skywalker up. So Luke Skywalker, true to form, true to his nature, recedes. He pulls back. He goes into hiding. And people will ask, well, why wasn't he there? Well, because exactly what Brian said, the way he pulled back was to cut off from everything. The, the galaxy is better off without me failing. I'm going to pull back. And and each time these these he's pushed forward, it was to save his friends and family. And it was only when Ray, strangely enough in this story, it was not his mentor. It was it was Someone who is potentially his student, a stranger to him, comes in and gives him the nudge. Leia needs you. Han is gone. I would argue it's R2 and Leia that gives him the nudge. Yeah. Really? Ray shows up and says, you need to train me. And he says, no, get out of here. I've got to drink this green milk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not until he goes to aboard the Falcon and he watches the message from R2, yeah. right, yeah. that he finally comes out and says, fine. And I think it's one of those things where you have to... Think back into your head from A New Hope. What's the first thing Obi-Wan says when that message of Leia's ends? She needs your help, Luke. I need your help. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. And you you can almost hear Obi-Wan Kenobi in the soundtrack as soon as that message ends saying, she needs your help, Luke. What I think that... What I think that connects with is, again and again, Luke has this very human struggle with fear and attachment. I mean, these are at the, the core of, of what the Jedi have battled with for generations. Skywalkers but, especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've got yeah. that unique set of midi-chlorians. The, <laughs> but think about the, the first moment when, when Yoda tests him in the cave. What does he do? He ignite, he, He's fearful as Vader approaches him. He ignites his lightsaber. When he first goes to, to confront Vader... Uh, at Cloud City, who's the first one to ignite the lightsaber? Luke. Luke. Um, again and again, he's got this instinctual reaction that he's grappling with. This isn't you know, necessarily Luke uh, having full control of, over all his, his emotions. This is a very human individual that in spite of whatever Jedi abilities he has, struggles mightily with things, especially when it uh, involves folks that he loves and is close to. And to the point about Leia, uh, I, I think the core of, of his retreat had as much to do with his failure to yeah. Leia in losing her son. He, As he's talking to Ray with that second lesson, he said, Han was Han about it, but Leia trusted me with her son. The, the other, He doesn't make much mention of the other uh, students that, that were lost. He fixates on that failure to her. And I think that that dovetails beautifully with with everything else that that you guys are saying. And it ultimately comes back around that she still needs you. You failed her, yes, but she still needs you in this moment. And that there can be forgiveness for that that mistake, that misstep. And I wanted to go 
back to a moment for you saying where Luke is always the first person to ignite his lightsaber until that moment on crate when he goes out to confront Kylo he does not have his lightsaber out he does not draw it he just stands there completely passive because he knows that Kylo is going to react to him um, and it's not until Kylo draws his saber that Luke does and really only to keep up the illusion well, yeah, and it, the one he draws isn't even real. Right. right? Well, yeah, that's. but, you know, yeah. he's, he's just trying to distract him long enough for the others to get away. And I think it just shows that he has he has finally learned that lesson. Um, you know, Yoda says the greatest teacher of failure is. And no matter how many times Luke fails in the original in the original trilogy and throughout, he he just keeps picking up and going on. But it ha- never really hits him until then that it's OK to keep failing. And I thought it was a very poetic note too that that you know he finally learns that lesson because one of the first lessons he learned on Dagobah from Yoda was that the Jedi uses the force for defense never for attack. And so he keeps on every time, you know, being the first to draw and this time he's like no, it's for defense. In fact, he's de- he's defending from afar everyone in that base so they can get away. Yeah, and I agree with what you've said about the lightsaber scene with Ben Solo because he does ignite it and realize, no, I can't do this. This is not right. It's just like in Return of the Jedi with Vader. No, I'm not going to do this. And I think the whole retreat aspect of things, when I think of heroes, heroes typically have big hearts. That's why they're heroes. They care for others. And I've heard of heroes in our own time, firefighters, they can save hundreds of lives in their jobs. And then there's that one time they aren't successful and they lose a life and they retreat. It doesn't matter if they've saved a hundred, they've saved 200. It was just that one. And it just gets to them because it means so much to them. And I think about that with Luke too. And although he retreats, he's doing it to help save the universe for the reasons you've said. But I think the important thing is, I don't feel like he fully retreated because of where he went to retreat. You don't go to a Jedi temple to get away from it all. You go because you really know deep down inside you're still searching for the answer. Well, I think that's why um, I think Han in Force Awakens kind of gives us that answer. I don't think he went straight to Octu. He went traveling around the galaxy looking for those sacred Jedi texts to try to figure out what it was about the Jedi. What and, went wrong. Yeah, what went wrong, which is why he has that really beautiful monologue over the, the fountain of the, or the, the pool of the prime Jedi about the corruption of the Jedi and, and what did, did happen. I mean, Luke basically got to see all the texts that showed him what happened in the prequels, and it wasn't good. Palpatine corrupted corrupted them absolutely and it's easy to get disillusioned in an organization no matter how much you know on an organizational level it's exactly like you're saying with firefighters right like the jedi saved people for a thousand generations but that one generation they failed made them retreat just as much as you know saving 200 lives and losing one for a firefighter would do as far as the lightsaber thing the first time i saw the last jedi I hated that scene. It was everything I did not want to happen. And I left mad. <laughs> um, subs- I ended up seeing the movie 10 times in the theater. So obviously <laughs> I have my opinion changed a little, but it still makes me so uncomfortable to watch. But I think that's the point. 
Um, and it makes me really angry when people say, oh, Luke tried to kill his nephew because he did not try to kill his nephew. He thought about it. He was tempted. Um, yes, he was extremely wrong to ignite the lightsaber. And I don't think the story would have had the same impact if he didn't do it um, because he he's still human. You know, he's not perfect. And that's why people relate to him so much. And this is, you, you make a really good point about repeat viewings. This is one of the, of all the Star Wars movies that have come out. I need to, to, to watch it several times in theaters to get the full impact of yeah. things. And the distinction that I make is that Rogue One, which I absolutely love, is the movie that I always want, wanted as a kid as I was playing with my toys outside and whatnot. Yeah. The Last Jedi is the movie that I craved as an adult Star Wars fan to take. And you, there are there are reasonable criticisms of the movie all around. But to take the, the narrative uh, risks that it took, especially with a character like Luke Skywalker, and to challenge us to see him in a different light, that maybe this isn't the guy that's necessarily going to react um, like the young kid we saw jump into an X-Wing and, and fly to the Death Star, that maybe he has a different reaction uh, when it when it comes to Kylo Ren and failing his family. And for me, that was so fulfilling. And every time I get a little something different when I watch the movie now. It's it's one of those things where, where it's, it's rooted in mythology, but just different parts of the mythology, right? Like this is so much Arthurian legend where Luke has discarded Excal- Excalibur the way Arthur does because as you grow in your wisdom, you know that like as a young man, violence might be that answer. You know, Arthur as a young man went and conquered everybody and destroyed everybody he could, but he realized in his wisdom that that's not how you rule. That's not how you do things. And so uh, you have to put down that sword. And so Luke coming, you know, Ray showing up and saying, hey, here's Excalibur. And he's like, no, I already got rid of this. Why are you bringing this back to me? Like, it doesn't make any sense for that wisdom that he did gain, for those lessons that he did learn. Uh, And it is absolutely rooted in all those same mythological underpinnings that Luke's initial journey was rooted in, but we just got to see a different advancement of it because he's taking on a different role. Even though he abdicated the role maybe he should have, he should have been there standing on the bridge instead of Han, but Han had to take the the role that Luke was supposed to have in being the mentor to Rey and dying at the hands of the student the way Qui-Gon does with Darth Maul for Anakin, the way Obi-Wan does for Luke on the Death Star, Luke avoided that sacrifice. So at the end of The Last Jedi, he comes back and tries to make amends for that. See now that I, one of the things that I still hate about the movie is that Luke dies at the end, but that kind of made me feel a little better about it. So but thanks, what, what is, what is death to, uh, exactly. yeah, what is death to someone who's effectively immortal? And that was one of the questions that I was going to ask is, so thank you. Thank you, J.J. Abrams, for announcing that Mark Hamill was in the cast so we didn't have to spend the next year and a half (laughs) speculating he will be in the movie. We don't know how or how how long. Yes, he'll he'll be playing the coin goblin. Um, What do we expect of him? What do we want? Personally, I feel like he he could have a role just like he had as big a role as he had in Last Jedi because what is what is death um i don't think that he will but i hope that whatever he does it's more than what we saw the forest ghost in the original trilogy in that he has sort of become bigger he's become more powerful than you could possibly imagine i think 
his last line to Kylo, see you around, kid, was a promise. I hope so. <laughs> I, I want to see him as a force poltergeist that just freaks <laughs> Kylo out through the whole movie. Like he knocks over his little calligraphy set and then like like Kylo's trying to put on his cowl and it just like like flies away. You know you know that Hux guy wants to kill you, right? He's out there right now. He's staring at you. While I'm while I'm still on the fence about the redemption of Ben Solo, uh, I I almost think that with this being the end of the Skywalker saga, that it, it might be Luke who who welcomes Ben back into the fold if Ben makes a sacrifice or if Ben ends up you know dying at the end of the film. Oh God! You know, <laughs> don't make me cry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think that's the point, though, right? I know. I mean, I cried enough. <laughs> um, well, what I'd like to see. Uh, with Luke in this movie, next movie is, of course, be there as a Force ghost, because I think that's really the only way to do that. But I think the important aspect of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi is a line that Yoda reminds him of, and that is, pass on what you have learned. And I don't think that that is meant to be, pass on what you've learned to Rey, or to a new Jedi Order, but all the things that we're talking about that Luke Skywalker has learned in his journey do not involve violence, do not involve lightsaber or skills of a Jedi. It's the philosophy of life and living it correctly and humanity and trusting in others and hope. And I think the lesson that he's learning and will come back with is not to pass on what he's learned to Rey or a Jedi Order, to pass on to the galaxy. Because if the galaxy understands those teachings, the light will become brighter and it will snuff out the darkness. And we see that, sort of, at the end of The Last Jedi. Yep. Broom boy! <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, his, his uh, what he says to Leia, no one's ever really gone. Luke Skywalker is still there. Also a promise, yeah. Yep. If, if they have a moment where those two, and I, I don't know what it'll be like since they're using footage from TFA of carrie fisher but if if and when we get a moment where those two are reunited once again i don't i I don't want it to exist because i think we had the perfect goodbye in the last jedi but i'll be wrecked all over again (laughs) i hope we get something with luke and obviously we'll probably get something with luke and ray but i hope that their relationship is good um i would like to see some time in between the movies so that we see them interacting as the way I wanted to see them in the last Jedi master and apprentice as respecting of one another and, you know, her still learning from him, even though he's gone or in, you know, one with the force. Um, And so, yeah, is um, moving on. I wanted to talk a little bit about the other appearances of Luke (laughs) we haven't had a lot in the new canon other than the movies obviously because they have been wanting to save those stories um what's of the ones that we've had what have stood out for you and is there what stories do you want to see told in between the original trilogy and and the sequels um, you know, I thought it was really interesting. I, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of the book. I think some of the stories did not hit well for me at all. But the Legends of Luke Skywalker book, um, really seeing how the story of Luke Skywalker travels around the galaxy and turns into myth uh, is something that I'm really interested in. Um, 
and and I really love how um, introspective he's become afterward because he's still trying to figure his life out and what that means to be sort of the biggest superhero in the galaxy where uh, you see him in Shattered Empire or on Pilio. Um, you know, where he's, where he's, he is very introspective, but he's still doing things actively in the galaxy. I want to see much more of that. And I want to see how, what his relationship with Ben is like before it, it all turns south. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as familiar with the, with the new canon right now, outside of the films. I just just have not had time to dive into it like I did with the EU, uh, or legends now. Um, but yeah, really, I, I kind of want to see where, where Luke goes, you know, in, in, in more personal stories, because that is a lot of pressure to put on the man. I mean, he has now single-handedly, if, if, if legends are true, saved the galaxy. You know, he, he defeated the evil, he, he rejected the Empire. You know, that's, that's a lot to put on one guy's shoulders. And I, I would like to, to kind of see how humble Luke Skywalker deals with that. There's a one of the stories in Legends of Luke Skywalker, I think it's the first one, when he's in the cantina and they're talking about the story of A New Hope and it's completely wrong. And Luke is just there kind of laughing and egging, he starts egging them on like, oh, tell, continue telling the story. And then the person who is relaying the story follows him out and it's like she realizes that, that that's Luke and why didn't you tell them who you were and he's like why should i they believe what they want i know i know what happened and doesn't matter what people think of me i think that's like luke happy and laughing about stuff is something i want to see too i definitely want to see that in context with ben right like there's 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 got to be moments where luke and ben got along Right, like they had a relationship that wasn't combative, and I, I want to see Clone that. Clone Wars with like him and Ben going around like Obi Wan and Anakin, yeah. and I will be wrecked. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about fun. I I thought two of the the most fun things that we've seen out of the very little that we have from that time period are uh, Luke's adventure in the Shattered Empire comic immediately after Return of the Jedi, where he's searching out some shards of the great tree from the Jedi temple and then the Pilio mission, which is one of the single player campaign missions in battlefront Two, the video game. And you see, and I want to see an extension of that. I want to see like an adventures of Luke Skywalker series where he's, it's more Indiana Jones and less him fighting remnants of the empire or, or with, the first order with Lord Santeca. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, him, him just out in the galaxy finding himself because those two stories, they were different than what we have elsewhere because it's Luke on a, a personal journey. We saw growth in him. The great thing about that Pilio mission in He's everything in Battlefront <laughs> 2. Well, you see a, a different side of Luke. You see yeah. a Luke that, that has taken some of the lessons. You see a, a, the, the Jedi Luke, not the Jedi Luke that's wielding a lightsaber and, and blowing up J- Jabba's barge. You see the Luke that's soaked in lessons from Yoda, from Obi-Wan, and is imparting those not just on a friendly person, but in in the context of the mission, on an adversary. And I, you know, I, I would go back and play that mission again and again. But that's what I want to see. Yeah, I'd like to see adventures, just like everyone's saying, that plants the seeds that leads to the Last Jedi. But if anything, that I would like to see is just fun adventures that have Luke with Leia, Han, Chewie, Lando, C three PO, and R two D two on the Falcon, and just have really rip-roaring fun. Yeah, um, Pilio is my 
probably my favorite appearance for Luke in the new canon, just because it's it it shows it's uh, one of the missions in Battlefront Two, the video game. It's uh, the third mission. The planet is called Pilio, and it's Luke interacting with one of the members of Inferno Squad. And if if you don't have the game and don't necessarily have the ability to play it, you could just look up Luke Pilio on YouTube yeah. and just watch the cutscenes yeah. uh, of that situation. And it's um, he. It's basically he is sort of. His encounter with Del Miko, who is the, one of the, the member of Inferno Squad, sort of sets Del off on this journey to leave the Empire. Um, but I think it actually speaks more to Luke than Del, because Del asks, "What else is there?" And Luke says to him, "A choice." And he says, "The rebellion." And he says, "No, a choice to be better." Because at this point, Luke has gone beyond. Oh the Empire and the Rebellion or the New Republic, he's thinking more in terms of good and evil. He doesn't have to be part of this military. And I think that says a lot about his mindset in The Last Jedi and as far as how his Jedi Order is going to be involved with the Republic or the Resistance. And, and I think that brings up a really, really good point about you know one of the critiques that folks have have made about luke in the last jedi well where is he and and really one of the critiques that ray has the the problems that the the, this disconnect that she can't figure out why luke won't saddle up and come come fight the first order like we've got this huge threat you've got this uh skill set that's very unique you're very powerful (laughs) why won't you come break out your lightsaber and fight with us and i i go back to post return of the jedi that the War did not end when the Death Star blew up and Luke wasn't sitting in a fighter, uh, the cockpit of an X-Wing to, to blow up the Death Star 2. At Jakku, Luke was not fighting uh, there. He was off on his own journey. And uh, to, to say that, that somehow Luke had done something completely out of character by not being there right beside Leia and the rest of the Resistance to fight just ignores sort of a bunch of the other stories that we have already. Wars not make one great is something he took took to heart. Uh, but also, as he's learning, uh, whether he's traveling with Laura Santeca and Ben, which I think the beginning of The Force Awakens implies, is that as he's learning about the Jedi, um, that soured attitude about their problems could be rooted in how closely tied they were to government bureaucracy. You know, that, that opening crawl of Revenge of the Sith, there are heroes on both sides, evil is everywhere, I think really speaks to the root of the decay of the Republic that the Jedi exacerbated because they were so closely related to that government so that Luke wanting to be outside of that and not affected by that makes so much sense. Yeah. It does. Um, and when he finally does go saddle up and help the resistance, that's what makes that scene so much more powerful um, because he's able to do it without even being there. He doesn't lift his lightsaber. He does, he's, it's, he, wars not make one great. He doesn't have to fight. Um, and the, 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 when he's walking out, and you see the resistance fighters, you know, stand up and look at him in awe. First of all, if you don't know, the first three people you see are Mark Hamill's kids in real life. Um, so that adds way more to that scene, knowing that those are his children. Um, and then the next person you see is Poe. Poe's mother um, went on the mission with Luke in Shattered Empire number four. So I just love the idea that Shara Bay has told 
Poe Dameron, the stories of Luke Skywalker, and then he is now here, you know, they're at the end, and Luke Skywalker finally comes to help them, and that look on his face is just, ugh, well, kills I think, me every time. I think that that uh, t- speaks to the theme and the story and and the, the moral of The Last Jedi, right? Where stories of heroism and doing the right thing help as much as actually doing the right thing, right? And so Poe hearing those stories about Luke Skywalker made him a good person, and the kids on Canto Bite hearing the stories of Luke Skywalker inspired them to do the right thing, and that Luke is so much better sacrificing himself. He's more useful as a tool than to pick up the lightsaber himself than to be a story to inspire others. And there's a beautiful connection there to the Clone Wars and the lesson that Yoda had to learn to be able to, to transcend his living form and, and become what we've seen him as. At the end of the Clone Wars, if you guys remember and have seen the Lost season, the season that's on Netflix, season six, the very last arc is Yoda on his journey uh, at Qui-Gon's direction. He ends up on this, uh, this world called the origin of all life. And at the end of that arc, in order to be able to, to transcend his living form, he's got to face down all that he fears. And he has this tremendous duel. He wakes up and he's on a, a Republic gunship and uh, they, they're chasing down. They've got Sidious cornered and they're finally going to figure out who this Sith Lord is. And the thing that he fears to lose is Anakin in this, uh, in this sequence. And I think for... Uh, Luke moving forward, uh, that scene on Crate where he's walking out of that burning doorway, obviously he's not physically there, but this is his moment to, to fulfill that challenge that Yoda did, that Obi-Wan did on the deck of the Death Star, uh, and fulfill his role moving forward. I think it's a recognition that the role he plays going forward is not a physical presence sitting on the Falcon walking around by by Ray's side or maybe sitting in a backpack on her back, um, but something greater than that. And that's what makes that last scene as he disappears so powerful. So uh, you guys read my mind. So we're going to open up to questions. Um, so if you have a question, line oh. up at the microphone. And we'll try sure. to answer as many as we can. So let's be quick and have a question. Yes. Oh. There's so much, but let's do a quickie. Um, because of the way Luke went out and he's gotten this legendary status, especially with that last scene in the movie, do you think it's possible that Luke could turn into the Elvis of the galaxy far, far away? Because <laughs> no matter how many times Ray or Leia tell people he's dead, they don't believe it. And, you know, resistance, he gets credited with all kinds of other stuff that <laughs> he hasn't done with sightings of Luke. I think that Legends of Luke Skywalker book certainly implies that that's possible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Question for the panel about the very small detail about Luke and Ben's confrontation. Uh, either the Kazans or Ryan Johnson gave a really good interview with IGN at the state, giving their I mean, a very well thought out reasoning for why they should made the artistic choice to have Luke wield a blue lightsaber instead of a green one. It was really well done. My brain and my, my the logical part of me understands that my heart still kind of would have loved it want to see the green which does the what do you guys think do you agree with it to me i i think it's a it's a great poignant moment to show how 
lost and obsessed Kylo is. In that moment, he is so consumed by anger that he can't pay attention to the fact that uh, Luke's gotten a haircut. That <laughs> and a dye job. <laughs> is not making any foot imprints in the salt uh, there on crate. And more importantly, that Luke is wielding a lightsaber that Just he broke. hasn't wielded, uh, at least in, in Ben's experience, because he was still using his green saber at the Academy. It's, yeah. it's the one he just and saw broken. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And so you're, you've got – I think if you rewatch the movie and you think about that and you think about how obsessed Kylo is, you truly see the depth of despair and loss that he is. And it makes his last line about see you around kid that much more poignant because it's just a poke right in the eye. I think I think it works on another level, too, in that Luke, I think, feels tainted by the presence of the green saber. Yeah. Right? right. He's ashamed of what it came to represent uh, because of what happened with Ben, for one. But for two, I think that that saber still represents the legacy of his family. And that's something that Ben feels hyper entitled to and that showing him that the light is wielding that is is going to to do more to distract ben than anything else he could do yes i think i know your question we talked about it beforehand yes so um we constantly see luke do noble deeds and spare several lives including that of del miko in the paleo mission but in Empire Strikes Back and in the Paleo Mission, we see Luke, um, like, he doesn't like animals. Like, in Empire, <laughs> he severely injures a wampa who's just doing its own thing. He doesn't, tr- <laughs> he doesn't try to scare it off or use the force. No, he just cuts its arm off. Yeah, and then on Paleo, like, the insect creatures not a are, vegetarian. <laughs> they're just protecting their home and stuff like that from these invaders, and Luke, once again, isn't using the force to, like, persuade them. He just starts hacking them and starts destroying their home pretty much and allows Dell to blow up their home. Yeah, I think he, I mean, Luke definitely still has lessons to learn. But it's interesting if uh, you've ever heard Mark Hamill talk about the uh, Wampa scene. He did not like that Luke cut off the Wampa's arm and that he has said, like, they had said, oh, no, it's just you're just going to scare him off. And he's like, well, no, why? Why would Luke cut his arm off? There's no reason to do that, which I think is really interesting. It's uh, it's interesting, too, how how unaffected Obi-Wan is about cutting not just animals <laughs> arms off, but sentient creatures or really any stray passerby. That's where that's where Luke got it from, maybe. Yeah. So maybe that's just his training from Obi-Wan. Although, to be serious, he does say to Jell and Pilio, you know, we've. The Empire has done so much to ruin pe- these planets, um, you know, he, and he kind of enc- encourages him not to blow it up in the end. Um, and there's that exchange, too, where Del said, uh, you killed all of them. Are you going to kill me, too? And he's like, well, no, they didn't give me a choice. But, but you know, yeah. we can have this choice here. I would love that story from Luke is him, his reaction to the deaths the action like the aftermath of the death star the first death star he killed how many people and yes he saved the galaxy but there were people on the death star just doing their jobs plumbers maintenance contractors (laughs) suara if it's about bald i I I will smack you i swear to god it isn't i swear to god shaving your head oh god uh no serious question this time i promise uh thank you all for doing this panel luke skywalker has long time been one of my favorite characters my favorite character of all time until actually the sequel trilogy when ray came along and she actually was at the same level of luke and then after last jedi even more so 
I still love them both so much. And I think that's something really curious in the discourse about Last Jedi is about Rey's journey. And I loved her journey in The Last Jedi, but I understand and appreciate so many comments and criticisms of why, like, attention was shifted away from her, why perhaps she didn't have as much of her own internal monologue as she should have. I think that would have improved the film even more. Um, I'm curious, like, we always talk about uh, Ray's impact on Luke, but what do you all think that uh, Luke's impact on Ray was at the end of The Last Jedi? And what kind of internal monologue would you write for her if you had some implant into the movie? Can I say first, as the lady on the panel, <laughs> Please. that was one of the things uh, that bothered me about the movie. Um, I thought, and and fandom discourse, if I'm being completely honest, yeah. um, that everyone talks about Kylo and Rey is the hero of the story. Um, however, I do think they they do have parallel journeys, and I think um, her being willing to want to save Ben Solo was extremely important. Yeah. Um, However, she has learned that not everyone wants to be saved. She can't force him to be saved. I think she's learned that lesson. She closed the door on him. Um, And she's learned from Luke um, that, you know, Luke's failures, I think, will teach her and do what Luke's failures and the failures of the Jedi did not do for him. He didn't internalize them and realize that it's okay to fail. Just keep going. And um, I think she will see that. And her attitude toward him in The Last Jedi is completely, in the end of The Last Jedi is completely different, I think, than during the middle of the movie. Um, because she is, she seems very at peace with what has happened. And I really hope we see more of them interacting. And I, I think Ray is the most direct character with the most sort of agency in her decision making than any of the other characters in The Last Jedi. Everyone else is torn by duty or by family connection or whatever, and she is motivated purely by her own belief and her own will in in doing what she thinks is right, everyone else be damned. Including Luke, right? When when she when when she confronts him, uh, you know, she tries to get him to pick up the sword and he won't. So she goes and does it herself. And I think that in itself is probably my favorite Ray moment in the movie where she's just like, fine, I'm taking care of all of this myself. You yeah. screwed everything up. It's yeah. going to be up to me. Exactly. Um, she and, drives the plot. Yeah, no, she really does. She really does. And I think that um, Ray's internal monologue is basically everyone here's an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to take care of all of this myself. And I think that that's really powerful. Yeah, I completely agree. She's she's gained a lot of agency in that. I mean, even to go to go just grab the Jedi text and say, I'm out. See ya. You know? <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. 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 And then I, I think the if I were to give her just a small bit of, of you know internal dialogue, it would be kind of what we saw at the end of Force Awakens, where she's she's so focused that she forgets kind of where she is and what the goal is. And in that saber battle, she backed off when 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 Kylo said, "You know, you learn the ways of the Force," and she's like, "Force," and then was able to to win yeah. the day. Same thing with Kyle the rocks, you know, yeah. like okay, maybe it's just use the Force. Oh, good. That's like that's like that's like her Shazam moment. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Next. Hello, and I that is an excellent point about Ray, and I think that's one of the great things that I love about the fact that. She she is a character not connected to anybody else we've seen in the series is that she's just 
her own character, and that's one of the things I love about it. I, I think the mind's honestly more of a comment, and one of the things I love about Luke when it comes to uh, his arc in The Last Jedi is that it Luke is very much like... it. Luke, remind, in the original trilogy, reminds me a lot of me, where it's like I... You know, you when you're young, you want to feel like you want to conquer everything and just do everything. And then in Last Jedi, you 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 just sort of start to get a bit more of the backstory and realize that it's like, yeah, the way I felt like in the when I was younger is not the way uh, it's going to be. It's yeah. very much that 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 King Arthur myth, right? That, yeah, that wisdom of like. You know, Excalibur on one side said you need to pick this up, but on the other mm-hmm. side it said you need to put this down. And Luke turned that other leaf, and it was really fascinating. Yeah. And it's and it's about turning the character into a more human character mm-hmm. as opposed to just a superhero. And yeah. I that's that's one of the things I absolutely love about the Last Jedi. All right, let's go through the next few questions really quick so everyone can get them. Hi. Um. So I know this is a panel about Luke. And him being a hero, but I was really shocked to hear you say, uh, Brian, that the question at the beginning of the Last Jedi was not about Rey and not about this, but it's but it's about Luke. And I was like, excuse me, I, I this isn't Luke's hero's journey story anymore. This is a new set of characters, and we have Rey's hero journey. And so I'm wondering, from your perspectives, um, what is it that you want or need to see so that uh, it's not that Luke is the hero, but Luke is a hero. And there are also more heroes coming. I think we've already seen it at the end of Last Jedi. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Ray, he, Luke's, Luke's whole monologue as Ray's lifting the rocks is he says the rebellion is reborn today. He cuts to Finn. Um, the war, or no, cuts to Poe, sorry. Uh, then he says the war is not over. It cuts to Finn. Then I will not be the Last Jedi. It cuts to Ray. And I mean, they they chose those those shots specifically. Like, I'm not a filmmaker, but... Obviously, yeah. he's like, we're we're out now. These guys are in. It, it was really Luke. I think the central question of Force Awakens about Luke is because why hasn't he embraced his destiny? And this, in Last Jedi, he realizes he has embraced his destiny and he has to pass that on to everyone else. But given everything we know about Luke, we have to wonder why didn't he save Han? Why wasn't he there to guide this next generation? And I think that's what I meant by that. Not mm. that this is Luke's story, but that's the biggest question because he's absent there. And based on what we know of him, maybe he shouldn't be. Yeah, and a, and a lot of Ray's journey thus far has been linked to Luke and like her her need to to either fulfill the you know, to see the legend in action or to bring that legend back to save the day. And she really isn't isn't really coming into her own until that moment where, you know, the mantle has passed, where Luke's like, I'm not the last Jedi. She is. And that's that's where I think her her journey it's it's she's already been walking in the steps of the journey, but now it's it's hers to grab and to run with. I think this trilogy is a Ray Kylo trilogy, and I think The Force Awakens is more the Ray story. The Last Jedi focuses more on the Kylo, and then the two converge in the I, episode nine. I would argue though that Ray's Ray's overall arc in Last Jedi though is embracing herself as she is, right? Which is what's so important about her vision in the cave, where Luke's vision in the cave is seeing Vader and himself represented inside of Vader, and that's the thing he fears the most. And for Rey, the thing that she has the most difficulty accepting is herself. But Rey never has a problem believing. As soon as someone says, hey, 
this is possible. You should do this. She's like, okay, done. Can do that. Whereas <laughs> that's not something Luke ever had. So when finally at the end, you know, her biggest confrontation that she has to deal with is with Kylo and she has to admit that she's a nobody. That's when she gets the strength at the end and is so bolstered by Poe saying like, I know who you are. Like you are somebody. And, and that's what makes her journey and her arc through that movie so powerful for me. Thank you. Thanks. Hi. Last question. Yep. It's you. Yep. Go ahead. Um, like, why? I mean, is Luke ever gonna? Is Luke gonna be a ghost one day? You think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That the. Um, have you watched the Clone Wars? Yes. I think he he did what he needed to do the the same pathway that Yoda did the the same very big challenge that Obi Wan faced when he faced down Darth Vader on the Death Star that was not easy for Luke physically to project himself to create or to to come face Leia for the first time since he lost her son to face down his biggest failure in Kylo Ren and I think that's a very good question but I think he he's hurdled that. That challenge, I think we will see him as a force ghost. What about Han Solo? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he gets to be a force ghost. Yeah. Sadly, he's dust. Oh! Wow! Thank you. You're welcome. That's a if way. If Darth to... Maul can, if Darth Maul comes, that's came, a bummer ending of a panel. <laughs> I will say. Um, oh, Brian, shush. I don't know if it's. I don't know how possible it's going to be, but. Um, Man, it would be really nice to see a Luke and Anakin Skywalker Force Ghost moment. Yeah, together. no, I think yes. so. But, but I think that's what's so um, so great about Han's arc through those movies, though, is that Han knows the mentor character needs to sacrifice himself, and Han knows he doesn't have any immortality, which makes his act that more that much more selfless yeah. to save Rey and Finn yeah. because he knows he's not coming back from that. And I think ultimately that's the moment that's going to save Kylo, too. Maybe. We'll see. Thank you all so much for coming. We have a giveaway.